day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad that you've joined us. A little later in the program, we are going to have a conversation with Coleman Young II, a newly elected at-large member of the Detroit City Council. He's a former state senator from the east side here in Detroit and, of course, the son of Coleman Young, the long-serving mayor of the city of Detroit. Uh, We're going to talk with Coleman Young II about his plans for his term in office as a Detroit City Council member. And we're going to talk specifically about an idea he has that I think is pretty interesting. He would like the city of Detroit to institute some form of universal basic income, which is an idea that some cities are toying with right now. It is the kind of idea that could radically change the economic picture for Detroiters. We're going to hear why he thinks it's time for us to consider that here in the city of Detroit and how he might come up with the money. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation. It'll get started at about half past the hour. But first, I think most of us would probably agree that pregnant and postpartum mothers should have as much opportunity as possible to give birth in an environment that's healthy and accommodating for both mother and and child. And I think we'd agree that mothers should have time to bond with their children immediately after birth. But what happens when those mothers also happen to be inmates? Until recently, pregnant and postpartum prisoners were not formally guaranteed any of the things that I was just talking about. But Governor Whitmer's administration recently handed down a new policy directive that allows inmates to develop a birth plan in consultation with healthcare staff and work with a doula. It also limits when inmates can be restrained and allows them to spend more time with their babies after giving birth. The policy comes after State Senator Erica Geis introduced bills last year also meant to address these issues. Geis is a Democrat from Taylor who represents the 6th State Senate District, and she joins us now to talk about this issue and these new policies meant to address it. Uh, State Senator Erica Geis, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning. Good to be here with you. So let's start with you giving us some examples of stories that you've heard about how pregnant and postpartum inmates and their babies have been treated here in Michigan in the past. Yeah, I think um, one of the stories that uh, listeners might be most familiar with um, is the experience that Sawatu Salama Ra had um, back in 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, This is when we first uh, started working on this legislation, in fact, and was already ended up being sent to our only um, women's prison, uh, which is uh, Women's Huron Valley. And um, the the experiences that that she had there, um, and Sawachi was already uh, an activist, uh, a community organizer and an activist um, for many other um, uh issues around um, addressing Mm -hmm. inequities and injustice 
Um, so she had a, an external support system that many don't have. Um, and so, you know, learning about the experiences that she was, um, that, she, that she had where she was not afforded adequate nutrition, where there were issues around um, shackling. Uh, and I don't want to tell her story. Um, she should tell her story, but I, I know it's something that has been multiple times has been reported about uh, throughout her experiences. Um, she is uh, no longer with uh, women with women's at Women's Huron Valley, um, and she was very instrumental in the Sawatu Freedom Team. Were very instrumental um, in helping really craft this legislation, not well this policy directive, but what was originally going to be. Uh, legislation uh, that, as you said, we had introduced last year. And even as recently as to just before um, this policy directive was announced, um, you know, there were women who are inmates who are expecting, um, who were still receiving similar treatment to what Suwato experienced. Mm. Um, and this is an issue not just here in Michigan. It is a national issue um, in our, our state prisons as well as jails, as well as um, federal prisons. Um, this only addresses this one facility here in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, but it also, it, it really should be more encompassing to including jails. And I think um, listeners might also recall from several years ago uh, uh, an, an expecting a, a pregnant woman um, at a Macomb County jail who um, had a, a horrific experience, uh, to say the least. Um, and I'm trying to be sensitive to to their experiences as well as to you know some of the the horrors and trauma that they experienced um, by not being uh, as specific about them on the sure. radio. Yeah. So so I. I want to go back also to the time when you introduced bills to try to change these policies uh, and talk about the reaction to those bills, the response to those bills, and how we ended up with the Whitmer administration taking action that it has the ability to take rather than the legislature, um, the legislature acting. What, what happened? So we introduced the bills. Um, there were originally two bills, uh, Senate Bill 830 and Senate Bill 831 um, that were tie barred. Um, Senate Bill 830 was pretty much the language that's in the new policy directive. Mm -hmm. um, and then Senate Bill 831 was an oversight uh, commission that would be would ex would examine the, the policies and the practices um, at Women's Huron Valley specifically. Um, and have a, a space for additional uh, oversight there, um, especially for the the loved ones and family members of the of the inmates who are incarcerated. Um, we had two. We had a hearing. Actually, we had two hearings um, last term in the Judiciary Committee. Um, we were a bit stymied by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, the and and then timing uh, the. Bills passed out of committee um, and passed out of the chamber, but we didn't weren't able to to get it through the house side. Um, we worked with an amazing group 
uh, an amazing coalition of healthcare workers, of, of activists. Of, I mentioned earlier the Swatu Freedom Team, of the American um, uh, Friends uh, Society that's been doing um, active work with around um, incarceration and around human dignity of inmates um, and with um, the prison doula uh, project and uh, you know a lot of we had a lot of input um, from the from the public we also worked with the department um, because this is affecting a state department mm -hmm. um, for addressing the issues of what is ideal and what we really need to see in terms of um, protecting the infants of the uh, pregnant incarcerated people, but also um, understanding or trying to understand um, where they where they were coming from in terms of their um, their their role in um, managing corrections and it wasn't always an easy conversation. <laughs> Some of the conversations were very, very difficult because we, the goal was to make sure that um, the prisoners were still treated with dignity and respect, that they would have a healthy pregnancy, that they would um, have those uh, various medical and um, psychological needs met um, in such a way that was not an additional punishment um, or punishing their child. Their, their, their child did not need to, was not serving a sentence. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the, the language that is in the, the new policy directive um, and in the original bill echoes um, the, this new shift in understanding uh, the the need for protecting and preserving the humanity and dignity of these pregnant prisoners mm -hmm. um, that comes from the um, from ACOG and comes from the American Psychological Association that comes from uh, the the National Institute for Corrections on how pregnant and postpartum prisoners should be um, should be treated. Um, and other organizations such as Black Mamas Matter Alliance um, in terms of how do you improve maternal health and specifically Black maternal health um, in these very uh, specific types of environments. Yeah. So, so um, I, I want to get our callers going here in this conversation. I'm talking with State Senator Erica Geis. She's a Democrat from Taylor who represents the 6th State Senate District. We're talking about state changes in policies for pregnant and postpartum inmates. Uh, give us a call and let us know if you think pregnant and postpartum inmates should have more rights when it comes to giving birth and the important bonding that happens with them and their children after birth. What's your reaction when you hear that up until recently, pregnant and postpartum prisoners weren't formally protected against being restrained during labor or having their babies taken from them 
right after birth. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Also, uh, of course, we'd love to hear from anyone who has had experience with this issue. Are you somebody who was incarcerated while you were pregnant? Did you give birth while you were incarcerated? Call and tell us what that experience was like, how uh, authorities inside the jail or prison where you were located handled uh, these issues. Also, give us a call if uh, you're, uh, you have a relative or a friend who has had uh, these experiences and maybe the frustrations of being restrained during labor and separated uh, after, after giving birth from the child that you just gave birth to. Uh, we would love to hear how these stories play out in your lives in practical terms. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Senator Geis, I, I want to talk a little more practically about the change that is being affected in this this one prison. Uh, what what are things supposed to look like uh, now? What what experience are we now expecting women in this situation to actually have? Well, now we're expecting that um, if uh, an inmate is pregnant, that they will be able to uh, have a birth plan um, that is unique to their needs. Everyone is still um, an, ind an individual, even if they're incarcerated. And so um, being able to, to work with a doula um, and work with um, healthcare uh, workers, be able to consult with them, um, and have that that autonomy respected, um, and make and be part of those healthcare decisions related to their pregnancy. Um, they will that that is something that they will all have the the ability to do. Um, they'll be able to have a support person. Um, dot, uh, the Department of Corrections has allowed it, but it hasn't been consistent. Um, they'll be able, and that support person will be in addition to the doula. Um, so not just the doula um, who can be present uh, with them at their, throughout their pregnancy care and postpartum care, um, but um, that person will be able to be present at the hospital mm -hmm. as well as support her, her and the baby. Um, the limits on restraints, we worked really hard on this language. Um, uh, what is publicly called an anti-shackling measure. And I know the Department of Corrections hates it when we use that term, um, but that is that is really, um, that gets to the, the crux of not, of them not using um, uh, restraints that are in front of, uh, in front of the belly or touching the belly, not using leg restraints, um, using the least restrictive restraints um, if restraints are necessary, mm. um, the the um, 
the, there'll be visitation allowed between the postpartum prisoner and their newborns. Um, and they'll be able to have immediate um, contact with their newborn as well, um, regardless of whether of how they deliver, whether it's vaginally or by cesarean. Um, uh, MDOC is supposed to be um, developing the training. That's why it wasn't immediately implemented. Mm -hmm. um, it goes into effect officially later this month. Um, and um, it's also uh, making sure that the, the prisoners will have access to um, prenatal vitamins, the you know type of um, nutri nutrition that you need as a, as a pregnant person. Um, and those are some of the highlights. They'll also be able to initiate breastfeeding um, if, the, if that is what the pregnant prisoner has, has decided they want to do. We, we don't have a, a mechanism, doesn't go as far as I would have liked it, um, to be able to allow, um, to allow them to, uh, to still nurse their infant. Um, but it, they will be able to allow um, for expression um, of their milk and so that when they are at their release time, uh, they aren't um, disrupting uh, breastfeeding for their, or the, the ability to breastfeed for, for mm -hmm. their child. Mm -hmm. so, so before uh, we take a break, I, I want to talk about what you think this will do for outcomes. And when we talk about outcomes in, in this context, of course, I, I don't know how much data there is uh, about what the outcomes looked like before, in other words, for, for pregnant and postpartum inmates. But I would imagine that the expectation is that things will go better. They will end up in better places uh, because there is a more humane policy in, in place. Talk to me about what the prognosis is for that, what some of the expectations might look like for the the effect of these policy changes. Yeah, I think that, you know, ideally, yes, we hope and we believe that these types of more humane uh, policy directives will improve outcomes both for the inmate and the child. Um, the being able to make sure that there is still um, that, that ability to, to bond uh, with their infant, um, being able to, you know, is going to, and, and still have that, that, that contact with them um, is going to, Hopefully, improve their their ACEs scores. That so the ask the adverse childhood experience uh, experiences uh, scores. And um, you know when we see fewer adverse childhood experiences, the you know that in itself leads to um, better outcomes for the child. It helps that policies like this, laws like this, others because other states have similar similar policies. Um, it helps reduce uh, recidivism um, for the the inmates. Um, it also um, ends up having a, a much more that having an incarcerated parent already is a, a, an adverse childhood experience. 
However, by trying to not disrupt um, that that bond between the parent and the child can help mitigate that that experience. And I think that when we are using that, you know, they're they're inside because of the you know the, the whichever law it was that was broken that a, a judge determined that was the sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't I'm, I don't think any of our MCLs uh, say that the the punishment uh, for for violating a law. Um, is including includes creating additional trauma and so by being much more humane and having a much more humane response to people who are already in a um in in a state a a physical state um that is already more difficult um is not good for their natal outcomes um, and it's also it's it's not good for the system at large either. Um, being an incarcerated pregnant person as additional risk for their maternal health as well as the infant's health. Um, the you know the the risk for adverse outcomes is higher mm-hmm. for the incarcerated popu- pregnant population. Um, and if we are talking about you know when I look at it. It holistically, if as a state we're talking about healthy moms and healthy babies, that cannot exclude the pregnant population that is incarcerated. Yeah. Okay, State Senator Erica Geis, Democrat from Taylor. It was great to have you here with us to talk about this really important policy change at the state level. Thank you so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. It's it's been my pleasure chatting with you this morning. And this is just one step. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have more work to do, um, but it's a positive step. And I'm looking forward to seeing it being implemented correctly um, and seeing um, the data that does show down the pike that the uh, outcomes are improving. That they're getting better. Sure. Okay. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk with newly elected Detroit City Councilman Coleman Young II. We're going to talk about his proposal for a universal basic income for Detroiters and other ideas he has for his new position. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.